0: that you're born an Italian. If you want your life to be great,
1: see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian-American podcast. I'm John Viola with my partner in crime, the Italian-American Wikipedia himself, the notorious P.O.B. Patrick O'Boyle. And we are bringing you a special episode. Can I get that on a kafalafka? What is a kafalafka? You know
0: that big hat that the Greek priests wear? Yes. That's yeah. like sun protection with the veil. Can I get Notorious POB on one of those? <laughs> I would
1: love nothing more. And I'd wear it everywhere. Anybody in our audience out there who's Greek or, or attached to the Greek Orthodox Church knows where we can source a kafalafka. Please let me know. I would absolutely love that. And you
0: could design the veil. and We'd have a Notorious POB. And in the back, it'd be like the, be like the cape, like the the superhero cape. Yeah. And you could have Notorious P.O.B., Italian-American Wikipedia, and I could, like, fly around. And...
1: Remember the T-shirt with Notorious B.I.G. with the crown on it? That I want that with the kafalafka.
0: I'm a sick person. How's this stuff come into my head? I need help.
1: <laughs> you do need help. I need help. <laughs> hey, it could be worse. Talk about needing help. We're coming with a special episode today because we kind of had a little bit of our summer schedule. We're going to move it back because um, we're recording this episode on Monday July 25th, it's going to come out Wednesday, July 27th. For those of you in the audience who keep up with what's going on in our beloved Madre Patria in Italy, it's been a very strange week uh, since we last released an episode and recorded. As compared to? (laughs) As a particularly strange week. The last
0: 2,000 years? (laughs) That's very true. Yeah. It takes a lot.
1: It does take a lot. To be
0: called a strange week in Italy, you've got to go above and beyond.
1: (laughs) It's just so much a confluence of events right now. And we thought it would be great to welcome back the man who's really become our special foreign correspondent over in Italy, Umberto Mucci from We the Italians, because a lot of questions are coming our way about what is going on in Italy. And the man that we always turn to to answer them is uh, Umberto Mucci. So, Umberto, welcome back. It's so good to see you again
2: thanks John it's so good to see you and Patrick but uh, I, I misunderstood I thought that you were the ones who were telling me what is going on here
1: oh I wish <laughs> I, if, I, if I could do that I'd, I'd have a fortune if I could predict the future like that. I don't know what's going on for I mean we've got a difficult time in terms of the after effects of the pandemic, the incredible drought and heat wave that's just crippling Italy right now and all of a sudden this caretaker government, this unity government under Mario Draghi shockingly crumbles and it looks like we're facing elections right
2: yeah yeah in 2 months from uh, from today you know
1: unfortunately
2: uh, we still have the pandemic uh, we have uh, the awful effects of the war in Ukraine we have a uh, very high inflation desperate migrants who come here from Africa in search for a future poor people, the economic crisis, gas shortages, and probably the need to cut its use in autumn. A Scorching heat, very, very, very problematic with temperatures. We haven't had this high in 20 years. We have uh, several fires all over Italy, and it will take 15 years to rebuild the destroyed forests. We have a devastating drought. We have also airline strikes uh, that put many Italians' of vacation at risk. What we don't have is a government. (laughs) <laughs> because, uh, because, you know, we had the best uh, prime minister in decades and uh, what the hell, are we going to stay with him? No, absolutely not. So I'm, I'm um, I mean, I'm trying to be, to be optimistic, to be happy. I love my country, our country, but it actually was uh, uh, a very, very, very stupid idea that of uh, getting rid of uh, a person which was and is actually the best we had, and uh, it 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 couldn't have lasted because we anyway would have would have uh, voted in uh, June 2023, but now we will vote in uh, September 2022 because it seems that uh, he wasn't good enough uh, being uh, someone that everybody in the whole world, or the whole free world, would listen to him. And make no mistake, the one that was happy about what happened was uh, Vladimir Putin in Moscow. So you can understand why I, I wasn't. Uh, I'm not happy when he's happy, when Putin is happy.
1: I, I don't blame you for that. And I don't think many people are. And it's interesting. You're describing Mario Draghi, former head of the European Central Bank, really a very well-regarded statesman on the international stage. Um, Can you explain to those in our audience who are not familiar with Italian politics how Mario Draghi came to be the prime minister of Italy? Because it's been quite a long time since Italy actually had a directly elected prime minister, correct? Yeah, you know,
2: actually, we uh, our constitution do not allow people to directly elect the prime minister because we don't vote for the president, we vote for the parties that uh, run for the parliament. Then uh, the parties uh, um, go into the parliament and decide who is going to be the prime minister. And of course, it depends on uh, how many members of the parliament uh, the different parties have. Uh, Notwithstanding, but but, uh, the the fact is that uh, with the reforms after 1992, uh, Italy had uh, an electoral law back in those days that more or less would uh, allow people to choose the prime minister. The way that uh, when Berlusconi won the election, people voted for Berlusconi, uh, and then Berlusconi was prime minister, not because people elected him, but because people elected him. Parliamentarians that then said, "Okay, we understand he is the one that uh, has been voted by the people." That was uh, up to 2011, which is the last year when we had the prime minister uh, head of the government that actually ran for prime minister, uh, even undirected. Because after that, uh, a lot of uh, Prime ministers that were not voted by anybody to run for prime minister uh, succeeded, you know, because the parties weren't able and haven't been able to uh, win the elections, you know. And so uh, basically, what happened is that uh, in 2018, uh, we voted, uh, but uh, it was a sort of a split situation 33% five star movement. 33% right-wing parties, 33% more or less left-wing parties. So uh, after 80 days of um, Machiavellic negotiations, the center-right and the Five Star Movement uh, did uh, a government together, sorting out a prime minister that actually nobody had known before, who was called Giuseppe Conte. After one year, Giuseppe Conte resigned because the the uh, center-right did not trust him anymore. And then all of a sudden, the Five Star Movement uh, aligned with the center-left. And so they did uh, a a government... Opp- opposite to the one they had before. And funny story is that uh, the prime minister was the same. <laughs> so Giuseppe Conte all of a sudden became uh, a leftist, uh, the prime minister of the center-left uh, government with, uh, with the, the Five Star Movement. Then after uh, one year and something, the government went down. And then at this very moment, uh, uh, everybody was, uh, was uh, asking themselves, what are we going to do? Uh, So the President of the Republic uh, uh, called Draghi and he said, can we do a technical government because the situation is very hard, we have to face the pandemic, we have to use the money of the recovery plan from Europe. And uh, more more or less, uh, almost everybody said, okay, we will vote the government uh, uh, of Draghi, Uh, aside from the far right party, the Brothers of Italy, Fratelli d'Italia. And so... They did this government, which was technical government, which had inside people from the left, people from the right, people from the Five Star Movement, uh, people technical, you know. And they they did, um, the government did a lot of good things because Mario Draghi, somebody that was listened all over the world, uh, he would go to the EU Commission and uh, they actually would ask him for his advice, which is something that never happened before with Italian leaders. They would go to NATO, and people would would ask him for his advice. They would go to the United Nations. They would go to the White House. He would go wherever, and people would listen to him because he is charismatic. He is serious. He is somebody who has not... A social media account. He does, does not gossip. He does not wear strange uh, ties or um, whatever. It is. It's a he is a very serious person. So the Italian politics. Uh, mm-hmm didn't like very much this serious person because it, it was just like when you are in an office and you don't do anything. And all of a sudden comes someone who works hard every day. Mm. You start saying, uh, is everybody understanding that I didn't do anything before this guy come? And then uh, will they ask me to work a lot because he's working a lot. So let's get rid of Draghi. I mean, this is of course my opinion, but, uh, uh, 60% of Italians is very, very, um, uh, is not happy that he has gone. And he actually has not gone because uh, he is in charge for current affairs or simple affairs. Problem is that Italy is not a simple place and this is not a simple moment. So it's not very clear what he can do or what he cannot do. He can do something, he can face pandemic, uh, but when he will do something that is not very good for one of the parties, they could not vote it, uh, and he doesn't have the power right now to uh, force them.
1: You know, his most famous, I think, accomplishment is the man who they say saved the euro during the crisis in Greece and the the European currency. Uh, But like you say, he is known all over the world as a very serious and consequential statesman and one of the i think most appealing things about him you know you talk about how conte went from the right alliance to the left alliance and now conte is active in uh, general italian politics again right even though he came out of nowhere so his sort of technocratic credentials are immediately washed away they're up in smoke right now he's a partisan politician again Draghi has always maintained his non-partisanship, and I think that's one of the things that many, many people in Italy have felt great about, is his sort of uh, technocratic, non-partisan nature. It's also part of the reason that even before this crisis, many people were saying that he would never be able to serve more than the end of this term, you know, a a year from when it looks like it'll expire now. Uh, he He was pretty committed to staying out of partisan politics in the future, right? Is that is that the case? Is there any sort of outcome here where Mario Draghi throws his hat back in the ring with the party?
2: No, 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 absolutely not. He is not running because um, some would say that he has nothing to do with this country, with the Italian politics, not the Italian country, because uh, he says what people do not want to hear, while the other people say exactly what they want to hear. Even if it's not the, the, the best thing, the good thing. Uh, so he's, he's not going to say, yeah, let's do more debt. There's no problem about this because we have a huge debt. And every time the other politicians say, let's uh, put 50 billion euros in this, uh, nobody is asking these people, where are you going to take this money? And the answer is from the pocket of our children. So uh, this is, I'm sorry, because uh, it's not very good for Italy.
1: Now that the Draghi government has fallen, which parties pulled out of the unity government? Uh, The Five Star
2: Movement uh, started, and then uh, the league, the Northern League, and Berlusconi's Forza Italia followed. So these three are the parties that uh, made him
1: resign. I guess the astute political observer would say the beneficiary of that is none of those parties, but is actually the only party that could be considered major that was not in the unity government, which was Fratelli d'Italia, which is the inheritor of the legacy of the post-Mussolini, post-fascist parties of uh, MSI and uh, Alianza Nazionale and all of these evolving parties. They've evolved in their sort of post-fascist right-wing nationalism, but it's a nationalist party nonetheless, and it's led by a forty five year old a woman named Georgia Maloney and she is really i guess the the odds on favour to become the next prime minister right i mean uh
2: I'm not so sure i mean um yes, she is now running the party that is ahead in the service and yes on september on july twenty five it seems two months from the elections that there will be a center-right coalition with uh, Meloni's Fratelli d'Italia, who is uh, uh, the one with the majority of the surveys uh, right now, and then the Northern League uh, for Salvini, and then Berlusconi's Forza Italia. And yes, it seems that right now in the surveys, they lead and they could win the elections. Two problems. The first is that uh, in two months, a lot of things can happen. Uh, I I don't know if uh, the other coalitions will be able to reach the votes that the center right uh, is going to take. Probably not. But then already now, people in the center right parties, especially for Forza Italia, are saying we are not sure that Giorgio Meloni will be the person that we will indicate uh, as uh, head of the government when the president of the republic will, will ask us uh, who can I give the mandate to form the government. Because uh, Berlusconi's party has always been in the center-right coalition, the one more center than right. He is part of the popular party in Europe. And uh, he is thinking that maybe uh, Europe and then the United States and then the free world will need someone who is not far right uh, uh, to lead the government. So some in the Berlusconi's party are starting to say right now that uh, it's not sure that they will indicate Giorgio Meloni if they will win the elections. And uh, I got to be honest with you, you know, in, in Europe, Giorgio Meloni has one strong ally who is Orban in uh, Hungary. The other strong ally of Giorgio Meloni is the very fastest party in Spain. I don't think that the EU will be very happy to accept uh, someone like that among them, even if, of course, if the Italian's voter vote and, and the, the, the parliament would say that she is the one that have to run the government. Yes, of course, the EU will, will, will accept it, uh, of course, but uh, they won't be happy and... Uh, it's a very far-right party in some of her voters, electors. She's smart enough to understand that she has to distantiate from the far-right right now because she's a smart woman. But, uh, you know, you know uh, her electorate uh, is done by a lot of people who is very, very nostalgic about the fascist party. And do not forget that in October, it will be the 100th anniversary of the marcia su Roma. Which basically started the fascist 20 years. Uh, And it was a very strong move from Mussolini marching over Rome, saying that uh, he had to take the power because things weren't good. Uh, And so, I mean, of course, Giorgio Meloni will do nothing to commemorate this 100th anniversary because it links her to the fascist party and she doesn't want it. The problem is that the majority of her voters. uh, not everybody, but uh, the majority of our voters and uh, of our political representatives uh, in the uh, municipalities and regions and provinces, uh, they seem to be fascist. They do uh, saluto romano, the, the Roman uh, salute uh, with the with the hand. Uh, they don't do anything to say, no, no, we are not fascist, you know. And uh, even the contents of our program. I don't know if they're not fascist, but they're very, very far right. Can I ask you a question, Umberto? Yeah, because this is
0: such a complicated. I mean, Italian politics. I mean, that's why Italy invented Machiavelli, right? It's very, very complicated. Yeah. I have a lot of friends, a lot of people from the same place my grandfather comes from in Salerno, that are huge fans of Georgia, and we try to give our our listeners a balanced take on what's happening, the pros and the cons, what different sides think. So. The people who don't like Draghi, why don't they like Draghi? And why do they like Georgia
2: Maloney? Well, you know, uh, people who do not like Draghi, once again, do not like someone who tell it how it is. And, and I understand this because they have been raised for decades by people that politically would say everything they need to to get one more vote. So we are used to, you know, we haven't had any political leader that would say, come on, guys, let's think about the fact that uh, we owe a lot of money to the markets and the markets are not going to give us more money if we don't fix a budget. This is what it is. It's not an opinion, you know? Now, in this very moment, because Draghi resigned, our bonds were less than Greece. Wow. Okay, less than Greece. Think what happens when we have to refinanciate our debt that the markets will say, yes, of course, we're going to give you money, but the, the the rate, it will cost you much, much, much more. So our budget is going down the drain because of this. So now this is something that everybody who has a family understands. Because if I want to buy a car and I cannot afford it, I probably do not do that. And if I do that, then I, I have to probably to pay uh, every, every month, uh, 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 the money that I owe, okay? So probably I do not want to buy a Ferrari if I cannot afford it. Politicians, uh, yes, say, let's buy a Ferrari with the money of your children. They don't say it, and nobody is smart enough to say, wait a minute, where are you going to take this money? Okay, so about Georgia, uh, everybody in Italy is happy about the person who hasn't governed in the few years before. This happened with Berlusconi before Berlusconi it happened with Craxi and then Berlusconi and then Renzi and then Salvini. Okay. Because if, if everybody or almost everybody in Italy blame the government for everything, you know, we have a say, Piove, governo ladro, which means it's raining. Even if it's raining, the, uh, let's blame it on the government. Okay. So if you weren't in the government, they cannot blame it on you. And maybe they would say, let's try Georgia. Why not? We tried Five Stars. We tried the Democratic Party. We tried Berlusconi. We tried everything. Let's try Georgia. Now, there's a small problem. The Georgia Meloni only had the executive position of Minister of Youth for two years, which was a minister that was uh, useless. Okay? And she does not have any... Political experience in running things. Okay. Uh, Think about uh, that before Obama, every president in the United States had been vice president or governor, uh, you know, because you need to know to understand what's happening when you run something. Okay. Georgia didn't run anything, and her political class didn't run anything. So we are going again to a situation where probably. The prime minister will be someone who has no political experience in running things. She has been in politics for years and she's a very smart person. But one thing is running for campaigning for uh, a party, being in the parliament, and another thing is running the country in this situation.
1: You mentioned the idea that if this is the outcome, you have a political novice. In one sense, it would be a a great leap of a catch-up for Italy to have a a young woman as a prime minister because it would be the first female prime minister in the history of the Italian Republic uh, or the history of unified Italy. And uh, in another sense, you have a political novice in a lot of ways, one who's not actually held executive power. And you talk about the crises that a potential Georgia Maloney prime ministership would face from day one, I think of everything that's swirling around Italy right now, and the the droughts and the uh, fires and the economic turndown and uh, all of the uncertainty in COVID and Russia and Ukraine. And I think that the scariest prospect is her facing an, an unwelcoming European Union, which holds the purse strings on billions and billions and billions of euros of the COVID Recovery Act, right? How much money has Italy actually collected of the COVID recovery funds? How much is left? And what are the reforms that the Italian government were and are expected to enact that those remaining funds are tied to? Well, let me tell you,
2: first of all, um, Italy has a very, very serious problem with the female uh, leaders, uh, we don't we 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 should have them. We don't have them, and not because we don't have wonderful women, uh, leader women, uh, smart women. Meloni is very smart to me. Uh, so it actually is a problem uh, because uh, we could do much much better if we would allow women. To rise and have the opportunity of running. Now, in Rome, we had the first female mayor with Raggi, and they were the worst five years uh, Rome has ever felt in its uh, 2000 and uh, I don't know how many years. The problem is that if you take the wrong woman and you put her at the head of the government, you don't do a favor to the country or to the women because uh, the, the men who are, are uh, op- opposite to having uh, female leaders will say, see, they don't do good. They They cannot do that. And it is wrong because we need women. <clears throat> okay, this is the first thing. The second thing is that Europe will not say we don't give uh, money to Italy because uh, we don't like Meloni, absolutely. It it is not like that. On the contrary, uh, Europe has now a female political, uh, female leader at the European Commission, a female leader in the European Parliament, uh, and they are two of the brightest uh, politicians uh, in the world, according to me. Uh, They will say, not because Giorgio Meloni is there or Berlusconi or or even Draghi comes back, uh, I don't know how. They will say, if there is a pact, Uh, Europe uh, uh, committed to give uh, 220 billion euros to Italy, some in loan and some in grants, okay? Uh, So they said, okay, we think that you should use the money doing reforms that you need. We will not say you how you have to reform things we will say you that probably you have to reform something. And then uh, we wrote a, a, a recovery plan, voted by everybody in the parliament, which would say, okay, we will reform the justice, we will reform uh, the fiscal uh, situation, concurrency, uh, la concorrenza. Um, so there are many fundamental reforms that we haven't done in years, and we should. And that's how we should take the money that is left. We took about 45 billion euros because we succeeded, Draghi succeeded, Draghi and the parliament that that was uh, supporting him, succeeding in doing, let's say a hundred small reforms or big reforms. But we have uh, six months goals. Now, uh, before the end of uh, 2022, we should do 55 uh, other goals. And it's very improbable that we will do that, even because now we have a government that can do slight things, and we will vote in on September 25. If everything is good, think about the fact that last elections with the same political electoral law, we put 80 days before having a government. Let's say that we have a government in 30 days, because everything is smooth. Okay, so on October 25, you have a new government. And this new government, in a couple of months, should do 55 reforms. Some of these reforms are against the uh, political um, uh, campaign that uh, Georgia Meloni will run. So it's very unlikely. Now, Europe can say, OK, we understand that you had an election, so we can move the deadline. Yes, we can. And, and they probably will because they want to help. But for sure, some of the reforms we need are against what uh, Meloni thinks.
1: And for the audience out there to understand, how much is left on the line of these EU funds? What, what is, what's the number we're talking about?
2: Uh, something like 170 billion.
0: Umberto, if you were a wagering man, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think Georgia is going to become prime minister? Do you think not? Do you think that Berlusconi, who's now 3,000 years old, is he like 3,000? <laughs> will come back into office? Like if, if I said, Umberto, six months from today, which is January 25th, I'm going to open up an envelope and I want you to give me a prediction what Italy's politics looks like on today, January 25th, uh, 2023. Tell me what that's going to look like.
2: This is a very difficult question. I I, I hate you for that. No, I, I don't. <laughs> You're not the first, my friend. You're not. No, no, no. I, I don't hate you. I love you. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't have uh, la palla di vetro, we say. but uh, crystal ball. The crystal ball. No, I don't. Uh, I don't think that... Uh, Georgia will be prime minister. I think that at the end of the day, either because uh, uh, she will uh, lower a little bit uh, her percentage, not that she will lose, but she will lower a little bit, uh, either because uh, her colleagues, uh, Salvini and Berlusconi, will be not happy to have her running the show, either because... uh, the, the the system uh, european uh, uh, free world system italian system will not be happy with her not because she's a woman not because she's young because she's far right or at least she was um and she's uh, not uh, that experienced i think that maybe at the end of the day she will be forced uh, to appoint someone who is more um seems more safe to the people. Someone who is older, who is probably uh, a male, not Berlusconi, not Salvini. I'm talking about someone who is not a politician who didn't run for this. Uh, Maybe someone uh, who has an institutional uh, role right now, Uh, someone who is uh, more uh, adjustable for the system. And uh, I gotta tell you, I'm not happy of this, I mean, yes, uh, I would like someone who is experienced, yes, but uh, th- this would be another time where probably what the people say would be left a little bit aside, not completely, but a little bit aside, and it's not good for democracy. I, I understand this. I think that she's right. The people have to, to vote, and there should be consequences, even if she would be prime minister, if she wins the elections. She should be. I wouldn't like it, but she should definitely be because because otherwise, what are we going to vote for?
0: Now, let me ask you another question. I really understand what you're saying about Draghi in the sense that he's like the fire alarm in the House saying we can't keep borrowing money. We can't keep borrowing money. This boat is going to sink. That being said, do you think Draghi did a bad job of communicating that? Do you think that maybe he was a little bit too aloof? Do, or do you think that the Italians just don't like to hear the news that they don't want to hear?
2: No, I think that he did exactly what uh, he should do. I mean, uh, you think about this. You have this person who put his face uh, in some of the most important uh, institutional decisions uh, in Europe uh, in the last years. So he's got uh, he's, he's recognized because he said whatever it takes uh, to save the euro. So he's not a, a a nice person. He jokes about the fact that even if he if he has a central banker, he has a heart. He knows that people do not expect from him Uh, joking, giving interviews to gossip uh, magazines, uh, uh, being shown uh, if he sings a song or he shows that he roots for this um, soccer team, whatever it is. He's a serious person. Now, if you're a serious person and you think that this is what you are and who you are, you should speak like that because otherwise you lose your face. And the guy is 74 years old. Why should he, you know, change? Uh, just to behave uh, uh, like uh, a few people want, uh, playing the same game that Berlusconi, Salvini, Renzi, Letta, Calenda, Conte, Meloni play. They play it better than him. I think that he did the right thing. He said to the people, "I'm a different person. I'm here for the job." He always said. The Government is working unless it can do the job if it cannot do the job there's no reason for me to stay here and this is why he resigned. He didn't lose the confidence of the parties. The parties voted for his confidence or at least they didn't vote against the confidence because they weren't they were afraid uh, but uh, he said okay, but you don't if you don't have trust in me, I cannot be the head of the government because this is a completely strange government we have everybody in, in, in it we didn't win the elections so either we have the trust of everybody who support the government or this doesn't exist because it doesn't work and he has just one face and he uh, uh protected that uh, there is a uh, uh, a metaphor uh Iraqi government was like when you have a uh, open-heart surgery, and they uh, stop your heart and the circulation of your blood is due to a machine. You know that? Now, it is a situation that is not uh, a usual situation. It can uh, happen, of course, if the patient signs uh, the agreement that this is going to happen during the surgery. It is a temporary situation and it is needed so the surgeon... Uh, uh, repair the heart, and the end of this should be that the person could uh, breathe with his own heart, you know? It is a temporary emergency situation. If the patient uh, uh, says, I I don't want it anymore, you cannot do that. You have to put uh, uh, clothes and, and try to understand if the heart is repaired. I and mean, even if it's not, the patient has the right to say, I don't like it anymore. I liked it before, but now I don't like it. Let's close. You know what I mean? Do you, let me ask
0: you another question. What's going to happen to 5 Star now? Does 5 Star die out? Does 5 Star have a future? How do people look at 5 Star now compared
2: to how they did a year ago or even five years ago? Hmm. Uh, I gotta gotta say uh, disclaimer, I think that the five stars uh, are the worst thing ever happened to any possible free country in the galaxy. (laughs) Okay, This is me. Um, It's just my opinion. I'm sorry. If people disagree, I respect that. Now, said that, I think that they are going to go back to what they were uh, at the beginning, which is something that in a way, it's a good thing they started that they want to change everything they ended up uh, doing a government with the center right then with the center left then with everybody else so this is the complete opposite of what they they would uh, take their votes for in 2018. So I completely understand those who say, what are we, what are we doing now? We, we, we just became a, a sort of a Christian Democratic Party without being this Christian Democratic or without even understanding what we are doing. Uh, so the people who, who want uh, them to be uh, the original FASA movement, uh, uh, a fighting movement uh, that is a very populistic movement, uh, do not care about being in the, in the parliament or in the government because they can say and do whatever they want because nobody will ask. Okay, let me let me see how you do this. This is what they will become. So they will probably gain. Uh, I don't know, six percent, eight percent, ten percent. Those who original uh, were the, the 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 founding fathers of that, the founding electors of that, and they will go on uh, saying impossible things, uh, populistic things, uh, but not hurting anybody. If not the fact that you have six percent, eight percent, ten percent, which is completely useless, because they will not uh, ally with anybody else, because otherwise they would say. What are we going to do? We said that we don't want to ally with anybody because everybody is, is, is trash. So they want to stay alone and, and shout and let them do that. Uh, and let, let's see how many Italians will want that, uh, knowing that they will not uh, uh, do anything. But you know, some people do not vote other people to do something. They vote them out of their anger. Is Salvini's career finished?
0: Can Salvini come back to fight another day? Where do you see Lega and where do you see
2: Salvini going? Uh, I I don't think that Salvini is finished because Salvini can smell where to go and what to do to get uh, votes very well. is uh, very good at this and not only at this, but uh, this is important <laughs> if you're a politician. Uh, Salvini is uh, granting Berlusconi that Berlusconi will be untouched, his uh, uh, companies will be untouched, uh, and his uh, uh, wills uh, will be probably uh, executed. Uh, Salvini, somebody says that, said Berlusconi, you, you will be the president of the Senate. So in La Lega, the problem is not Salvini. The problem in La Lega is the fact that they run the most important uh, regions in the northern Italy. Lombardia and Veneto, and also, um, yes, Friuli, Venezia, Giulia. And these guys know that uh, uh, sending Draghi away was a very bad, bad, bad decision. They have a lot of entrepreneurs who are losing and will lose a lot of money because of this. And these people are the electors, are the people who paid for the campaigns of these governors. So these governors were not happy when Salvini would say, I don't like Draghi, but now they're, they're silent. I don't know why, but they're just silent. They are pining up uh, behind Salvini, and they seem not to do anything or say anything, probably because they think that uh, Salvini will, will win together with Meloni and Berlusconi, and there will be something for them. Uh, maybe a ministry, maybe another run at, as governors, but the problem is the money. The problem is the politics. We're losing money. We will lose a lot of money.
3: Summer's here in full swing, and we want to know how you Italian American for the season. The Italian American podcast is partnering with Mediaset Italia for an exciting giveaway. Just snap a pic of your most Italian American moment this summer, post it to Instagram, and you could win an exclusive Mediaset Italia picnic pack. The picnic pack includes a portable blanket picnic basket cheese board plates utensils stackable wine goblets and a wine opener everything you need for an aperitivo picnic under the sun how do you get your chance to win it's easy just capture what italian summer means to you and post your picture to instagram follow us on instagram at italian american and at MediaSet italia usa then tag both accounts in your post don't forget to use the hashtag iHeartMediaSetItalia so we can find it. Post your pictures between now and September 21st, and we'll pick 20 lucky listeners to receive their picnic pack in the mail. Open to residents of the continental United States? Visit Instagram at MediasetItalia for more information, terms, and conditions.
0: Everyone has been saying for years, Italy's going to crash because of its debt. Italy's going to crash because of its debt. When Greece was in trouble, Italy's next, Italy's next. Um, Europe could handle Greece crashing, but not Italy. And to me, it's like the boy that cried wolf. So for years, we've been hearing this and nothing has happened. Um, is this when it's going to happen? If things go wrong in the next couple of weeks, is Italy's bond, and I'm not a finance guy, so I, I excuse me for the people out there who are, uh, does this mean Italy's bond market, if that's the correct way, is going to crash? Like, Is this as serious as every, as you're saying? And if it is, what makes it different
2: than the past? Well, we, we, are, we are too big to fail, but uh, oh, Lehman Brothers uh, was too. Uh, now, now, the problem is that um, uh, I understand the crying wolf uh, approach I totally. You know, uh, we, Italy, the, the fact that uh, Ita- a lot of Italians do not understand or do not accept is that very simply, we depend on the markets i mean it's it's not that i uh, I, uh, I gain uh, my my sti- my stipend. my salary is uh, uh, five thousand euros a month, and I spend four thousand euros a month or even five thousand euros a month every month, I, my stipend is five thousand euros, and I spend ten thousand euros, okay I'm used to not a problem, okay now. Italians do not understand, a lot of Italians do not or do not want to understand that these costs, because the other 5,000 euros are lent by the markets. And they're happy to lend us money because we are Italy. We're not uh, uh, a small, stupid country, you know, or a company that can fail. Then they say, okay, Italy will repay our debt, but let's raise uh, uh, the the money that, that they have to give us. The interest, the interest, did you the think, interest. for the American? That's okay. Yeah. Yes. So at a certain point, uh, in Italy, you mean, you meet people that say, oh, the markets, bad people, investors, bad people, speculation, bad people. Wait a minute. There's a lot of funds made by the money of, let's say, the American professors that invest. They have 100% right to expect that their investment will repay money, okay? So they're not uh, bad people speculating, they're people investing, and they want their money back. There's nothing wrong in this, but a lot of Italians do not want to understand that. Now, uh, why are they uh, expecting us to pay what we promised to pay? Because it's a promise, stupid, okay? So at the end of the day, there will be one day, I don't know when and if, And I do not wish it, but the the, the normality is at a certain point, the markets will say, okay, we're lending you money, but as long as you don't do any reform and you waste money and you lose money, now you you will have to give us 100% interest, and 100% interest is too much, and you default. Now, what will happen? I don't know. At a certain point, maybe, and this is what happened in 2011, the spread between the bonds of Italy and Germany was so high that uh, the, the Berlusconi had to resign because he knew that there was a lot of problems by asking money to the markets. It can happen again, probably or maybe I don't wish so I, but but uh, it can happen because it's just very simple, but if people in Italy do not want to understand this simple thing. And think that the money we, we we keep the money out of the trees or just dig into the into the, the the earth and we find money. It's incredible. But people, I think that people vote thinking that this is the way, because otherwise you, you, don't expect, you don't understand why you get rid of Draghi and and you you vote for people that that say let's put. I'm serious. Fifty billion euros in the pockets of Italians and nobody asked. Where are you taking this money? Fifty billion euros, like this. I'm waking up and I'm saying, okay, let's do thirty billions. No, it's too few. Forty billions. Let's do fifty. W- what is it? The game? <laughs> it's money, you know.
1: It's also where Italy, where you get a lot of the resistance to the euro on certain parts of the political spectrum in Italy, because you know, here in the U.S., we can quote unquote print money, right? Now we're living the inflation effect of of I think many many administration's uh sort of cavalier approach to printing money but you know Italy can't Italy can't print money they can't devalue the currency anymore it's uh it's a continent-wide currency and so you it becomes a boogeyman to a lot of people because it takes away what was once one of Italy's favorite tools which was you know turn down the value of the lira and pump out exports of you know items all over and and you don't have that mechanism anymore so it, it is sort of uh a confluence of a lot of really dire circumstances.
0: Umberto, let me, and I want to follow up on what John said, Umberto. So it, we have the American phrase Monday morning quarterback, right? So it's easy to say you should do this and you should do that and you should do this. If you get the phone call that you're going to be the prime minister, right? They listen to the podcast, George, and they call up Umberto, we're going to make you prime
1: minister. <laughs> <laughs> They're fans of the podcast. I like that. What do you do? A, what are the top things you think
0: need to be done? And B, how do you get them done in a system that's so dysfunctional as the Italian government? I call Draghi. <laughs> wow. So you oh. just say bring Dra- No, seriously. So you think just bring, yeah. put Draghi back in?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, Patrick, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I thank you very much. I, uh, hopefully they won't do that, <laughs> but they, they won't call me. Uh, but... Uh, um, uh, if they do call you, John's gotta get Cavaliere della Repubblica,
0: Grand Croce. That's
1: <laughs> what do you the mean first by that thing is John and Pat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of
0: course. Well that, well that's that's just that's the first thing you gotta do. Then you can save the country. And then and then I'd be sorry. <laughs> just say the medals are in the mail, yeah.
2: No, absolutely. I go drag. Uh, And uh, maybe I I go to television and I suicide myself telling, guys, come on, let's behave. You you guys have a family. You have children. Okay, so look at your children. Every children who is born here in Italy, in the second he or she uh, shouts the first, uh, well, he or she has something like 40,000 euros of debt wow. or 50,000, I don't know exactly, but uh, a lot, okay? So I, I would say, look at your children. You are bearing them with a lot of debt. They will repay it. They're not going anywhere. It's on them. So just behave. Do you want your chalet in uh, Trentino Alto Adige looking at the wonderful lake? Would you like it? I would. It costs uh, 500,000 euros. Do you have it? No, you don't buy it. You wish you could buy it. You visit, you, you rent it, you dream of it, but you don't buy it because you cannot. Because this is what the people from Italy taught us at the end of the Second World War. They rolled up their sleeves and they did whatever they could To rebuild the country with the american money with the american money and they didn't cry every time somebody would say you cannot buy that you don't have any money okay they would work a lot and you guys know it because it's the same thing italian did when they immigrated to the united states they didn't cry they just worked hard double it's the same thing that they did in italy after the second world war now everybody cries now everybody's a victim. Now everybody says, "I want that. I I need a, a reparation. Uh, somebody should give give him money." Come on, whose money? It's it's so simple, but I uh, I, I don't have the one hundredth of the charisma you need to do something like that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I maybe Draghi has it.
1: This is the reason that I wanted to make sure we had this conversation today because I think. You know, we've had conversations about Italian politics before and what's happening, but never under these circumstances, never with so much on the line. And I think it's going to be very, very fascinating to watch in the next couple of months unfold. And, you know, Italy has truly pulled itself out of a lot of these uh, near misses and hairpin turns. And those of us who love her as much as we do, you know, we, we hope and pray that she can do it again. but also most importantly in a way that helps to build a stronger future for the country, because it's very difficult to watch the country that you love so much continue to stumble through these kind of things, you know, I agree with you. Totally. And that's where we find ourselves today. As we, uh, wrap up this episode of the Italian American podcast, for those of you who are citizens of, uh, the Republic of Italy, we, we hope for you that uh, this is an election that you're thinking long and hard about. And for those out there who are simply, uh, Part of this great diaspora and, and lovers of Italy, you know, this is why dual citizenship is an important opportunity and element of what it means. Because if you are uh, of Italian descent, there's routes to be eligible to participate in Italy's democracy now and going forward. So, for Italy, we're we're certainly hoping and praying, and keep our audience abreast of what comes in coming weeks. And Umberto, I'm sure we'll be calling you back in for clarifications as the next chapter unfolds. Thanks, thanks, John.
0: But no matter what happens, in Italy, there's
1: always
2: lunch.
0: The whole world is falling apart,
2: but you're going to eat well.
0: Yeah, but uh, but as Milton Friedman
2: would say, there's no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs>
1: and on that note, and on that note, <laughs> and on that note, we sign off. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Oh, thank you, Umbrella.
0: John, could I... I want to make a special announcement. I know many of you know that I I went to music school about three years ago, four years ago. I had always... um regretted that I had never learned music as a kid. It's the one thing that I always wanted to learn. I didn't learn. And I was thrown out of mandolin school after six lessons. Cause the guy said that I was a disaster <laughs> and to give it up. So, you know, after we had a great episode with the feast band episode with Marty and Joe, and they have inspired me to take up an instrument. And the one instrument that I can't handle is the gazoo. <laughs> so now I have a beautiful American made kazoo. A lot of people ask what I hum at the end of every episode And that's the uh, call-out signal. I guess you'd say the final uh, closing music of the telegiornale, the Italian uh, television newscast. So I want to use this opportunity to break in my new kazoo. And what I've always hummed, I am now going to play on my kazoo, the closing television signal, which I think is so appropriate for this episode. John, may I?
1: Yes, absolutely, folks. You're going to hear it here for the first time. Pat's kazoo uh, waving us out to the sounds of Italy's newscast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh my gosh. Wait, Umberto, you're gonna have to find us an Italian painting. See that you're born in
3: Italiano
0: and your life will be great. See that you're born in
1: Italiano and your life will be great.